So listen, today I want to get us focused on eternity. I want to get us focused on what's coming next. I want to, I want to get your focus not on this life, but on the life to come. You see, if we're going to leave a legacy, we've got to start thinking about what we're going to leave behind and also what we're going to send ahead. Right? Do you know that you can send ahead and, and, and make treasures in heaven? Do you realize that? Remember, we talked last week about the two judgments, the two questions we'll be asked when we stand before Jesus one day. The first judgment is going to be the white throne judgment where we're going to stand before him and they're going to open up all the books. And remember how I said, I'm going to be up there like, no, 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 no. My my name's in that book. Don't don't even open them books. My name's in the book of life. Go ahead and open that one. Right. And then when they they open the book of life and they find Jamie Tyler, I get to enter in. Come on, somebody. That's going to be a good day. Right. Because there's nothing in the other books. But then there's going to come the the judgment seat of Christ. That was the second judgment. And that the question to that judgment, I believe, is going to go something like this. What did you do with what I gave you? You see, the first judgment was what did you do with my son, Jesus? The second judgment is going to be something like this. What did you do with what I gave you? And the, the judgment seat of Christ is going to be where we get rewarded for everything that we did here on earth. You just look like a mule at the gate. You ain't excited about that. Because some of you are sitting there going, well, did I do enough? Oh, my God. <laughs> and we talked about how God loves to reward his people. And so the second judgment is going to be when we stand before Christ, he opens up the book and talks about everything that we did with what he gave us. And then, and then he gives us those rewards. And I want us to start thinking about that today. What's that day going to look like? Have I sent enough ahead? Have I lived with eternity in my mind so much and in my heart that my life has been sending ahead? Come on. Treasures in heaven. Has my life been leaving an impact and making a difference on this earth? So when the next generation comes, they're going to take off where we left off. You realize there's, there's babies in the ark right now that are going to one day be the, the leaders in this church. And if we'll, if we'll be diligent and focus on eternity, we'll leave them a church that is ready to take the world. Man, from Eunice? Yeah, from Eunice. Right? We need to focus. I want you to change your focus this morning because, listen, we don't have a lot of time. The Bible says that our time on this earth is like a vapor. It's kind of like the fog this morning. Soon as the sun comes up, what happens to the fog? It goes. Soon as the sun comes back, what happens to us? We go. Right? We go. And so I want us to focus on that because we don't have a lot of time. We never know when the next person's going to pass away. We never know when your time is up. No, I wish I knew when my time was up, right? How many of you wish you knew when your expiration, expiration date was coming up? Some of you are like, no, I don't want to know. <laughs> Those that are closer to that day, they're like, no, I don't want to know. <laughs> I remember when my mom passed away. My mom died of brain cancer. She fought it for three years. She, she had three surgeries. Uh, she, gave it, she gave it all she had. And, and I'll never forget when they called me. She was at home, uh, kind of in a semi-coma, laying in the bed. And they called me. I was at the post office. My uncle said, man, you need to come on. He said, your mom's not, you're not she's not looking good. I said, okay, so I drove to the house, and it was, I'll never forget, it was me, my grandmother, one of my aunts, and my best friend, Sam, and my uncles. They, they just couldn't go inside. They had to stay outside. And so we're standing there over my mom's bed, and I watched her take her last breath. 
her very last breath. Think about that. I watched her. I'll never forget there was a couple of breaths that I thought was her last breath. And in my mind, I was going, is that it? And then she would take another one. Is that it? And then finally, she took her last breath. And I'll never forget what I felt. In that moment, it was not grief. It was not a bad feeling. There was actually like a lighting of my load. It was like a a burden was almost lifted. Not that my mom was a burden, but it was just like, it was like now she's going on, come on somebody, to be in a better place. And and I'll never forget, I don't even know why I did this. I didn't even have this planned. I grabbed everybody's hands. I said, come on, y'all, let's pray. I didn't even know what I was going to pray. I just grabbed their hands and I started praying and I prayed a prayer of thanksgiving to God. It was the weirdest prayer because my mom just died and I'm going, Lord, thank you so much for my mom. And I just went on. I don't even remember everything that I said, but it was a prayer of thanksgiving. Just saying, Lord, thank you so much for her life. Thank you that she made a difference. Thank you that she raised me the way she did. You follow me? You know what I had in that moment and I didn't realize it? I had what the Bible calls the blessed hope. It's called the blessed hope in the Bible. The hope is, is that I'm going to see her again. You know what I'm saying? She just went before me. I'm coming not long after, but she just went before me. And I know my mom, she's got me like this crib. You know, she's up there talking to Jesus. And she's like, you know, my baby boy is coming. And, and you know, this, this ain't going to be good enough because she spoiled me. So I'm like, thank you, mom. My pond in heaven is going to be stocked with fish. 10 pounds and over. I mean, they're born 10 pounds. I mean, it's just incredible. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about eternity? Seriously. I think about it. It's kind of weird, but it's still good. But we, we all need to have the blessed hope. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? We never know when, when someone's going to pass away, but we need to have that blessed hope. Don't, don't let something happen and you don't have that. Amen. Go with me to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to give you the key verse from today's message. I'm going to read it to you from the NIV translation, verse 17 to 19. It says this. Notice the words that, that the Bible uses. It says, command, very strong word, command those. And by the way, this is, this is Paul talking to Pete, uh, Timothy, who was a pastor. It's Pastor Timothy. This was Paul's instructions to Pastor Timothy for his church. He says to command those who are rich in this present world. Notice he says present world as if there's another one coming, which, right? There's another world coming. Okay. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. (laughs) I think in 2008 and 2009, that really made everybody understand that we should not put our hope in wealth because wealth will let you down. Right? And so don't put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Now watch this. Put your hope not in your things, but put your hope in God who provides everything for our enjoyment. Richly. He richly provides everything for our enjoyment. So I want to lay something down Because the way the message is going to go, you're going to have to hang on to this a little bit during the message. God does want you to enjoy some things. Shake your head like you know what I'm talking about. Some of you were raised up in this, I got to be poor, poor, pitiful me kind of doctrine. That's not true. God's a loving God and he wants you to enjoy what he gives you with balance. 
right? With balance. He doesn't want the things that he lets you have or the things that he gives you to have you, but he will let you enjoy them. But watch this. Most of our enjoyment is going to be in heaven, right? It's going to be in eternity. So he says that. He said God's going to richly provide everything for our enjoyment. Command them, he says it again, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, in other words, living this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. That's eternity. So by living a generous, willing to share kind of life, we're going to lay up for ourselves a firm foundation of treasures in eternity. How many of you want to get to eternity and have something already there? I mean, I don't want to be the homeless man in eternity. (laughs) I got a box. (laughs) Nobody ever told me I could lay up treasures for myself. But isn't that good? I mean, isn't that awesome? It's not, it's it's like God saying, you know what? Heaven is just not enough. I love you so much that I'm going to go ahead and let you store up some treasures here for when you get here. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't deserve that. Some of you have been trying to say that for years. But, but the Bible says that he said to command them. Command those who have a lot of stuff, those who are rich. Notice he didn't say to command those who are poor. <laughs> he said to command those who are rich in this present world. Why? Because riches have power if you don't keep them under control. Come on. Do you know the statistics show that the less people have, the more they give? And the more they have, the less they give? That as people gain wealth and they gain things, their giving, statistics prove it, their giving goes down. I wonder if that has anything to do with possessions having us. You know what I love about living in cities like this is that when you have to do a benefit or you have to raise some money for somebody or there's somebody in need, people come out the woodworks that you would never think had any kind of change and they're pulling out their little bankroll and they're they're giving to somebody, right? Just generous. Jumping in and giving. Isn't that good? So by living that way, you'll, you'll lay a firm foundation in the coming age in eternity. You know, there's a life that's way better than the current life that you're living now. And listen to me, you're going to want to invest in that next life, not in this life. You're going to want to make your investments in the eternal life, not in the temporary life. I'm giving you like some of the best insider tips ever. And you're just like, uh-huh. Maybe you know this. You probably know this already. But I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. That's okay. You know, part of my job is to get you ready for the next life. Most of my, most of my teaching, most of my preaching is to, is to have you ready for this life right now. But, but every now and then I got to come and get you ready for the next life. And that's what this series is all about. Because listen to me, I want us, I believe we're all going to be neighbors. Some of you are like, dang. Does that mean pastors going to have pigs in heaven? There might be pigs in heaven. But listen, the pigs won't stink in heaven. And bluebell won't make you fat. Come on, I'm believing that. 
But that's part of my job, and and we need to direct our lives towards eternity. I'm truly excited to tell you why today. I want to tell you why we need to direct our lives and focus our lives on eternity and on heaven. I want to tell you why this morning. Number one, the reason why is because heaven, not earth, is my home. Come on. Look at your neighbor say you're just passing through. (laughs) Don't fall in love with what's around you. You're just passing through. You see, earth is only but for a moment. Heaven is for eternity. That means that that earth has an expiration date, but heaven does not. I mean, we can't even understand a never-ending thing. Not with these carnal minds that we have. We can't comprehend what it means for something to never end. The best way we can understand it is knowing that heat and humidity is coming in a couple of months. And we've forever known that humidity is coming. And it seems like it's forever. But even that doesn't compare to eternity, which never ends. It never has an expiration date. It's not going to stop. God has the expiration date for this planet and for your life. But eternity doesn't. You see, heaven is your home, not earth. Right? John 14, chapter 1 says this, Jesus was talking to his disciples and, and he shared something with them. And he just finished, he just finished telling them that, you know, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm going to be crucified. Uh, all these things are getting ready to happen. He just finished telling Peter that he's going to deny him. And then Jesus makes this statement in the next chapter, the very next sentence. In fact, he says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? So Jesus just broke the news to his disciples. They're freaking out. He's saying, listen, don't be troubled. Don't let this thing trouble you. Don't let this situation trouble you. Don't let this problem trouble you, but trust in me. Now, you see, what Jesus didn't do in this verse is lay hands on them and pray that their trouble would go away. Instead, he encouraged them to trust God and trust me in the midst of your trouble. You see, some of you are mad at God because he didn't take away your trouble. He didn't fix your problem. And so you've become bitter and you've become angry with God because something bad happened in your life and God didn't fix it. You know, he never promised he was going to fix everything. In fact, he said, you're going to have more trouble when you give your life to me than, than you did when you, before. <laughs> and that's just the reality. I believe that to be so true that when we give our lives to Jesus, we get this brand new bullseye on our back. And the enemy now goes, okay, do you see him? He's <laughs> target number one. And trouble comes our way. And God doesn't always come in and fix our trouble. He doesn't always come in and change our circumstances. But he does say this. He says to trust me in the midst of it all. You see, because when you walk through trouble and you walk through problems and circumstances and situations in this life and things are hard, you know what it does? It makes you depend on God or it makes you run from God and lean on your own self. And Jesus said to his disciples, I know, I know there's a lot of trouble. I wish I could fix it for you, but I'm not. I'm going to bless you. I'm not going to fix your trouble. I just want you to trust in me. Listen, don't freak out. It's not going to last long. 
As a pastor, if I could say something to you this morning, I would say this. I know you're in trouble. I know you're going through some tough times. But listen to me. Don't let it trouble you. It's not going to last long. We're just passing through. Right? We're just passing through. It's going to go away. It's going to go away. Look at your neighbor. Say, it's going to go away. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In other words, don't worry that there's not going to be any room for you. He's making room for you and your family and all your friends and everybody that that loves you. He's making room. Amen. Go with me to Philippians chapter three. Let me show you something in verse 18. It says this. It says, for I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction their God is their appetite. Some, some translations say their belly. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. Verse 20. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. You know, some people love this world, this earth more than they love heaven. You know, there's been a lot of bad teaching about heaven over the years. How many of you heard some pretty crooked teaching about heaven? Like, like there's, one, there's one belief that when we die, we're going to go to heaven and we're all going to be fat cherubs dressed in white robes singing in the choir. I'm sorry to inform you this morning, that's not heaven, that's hell. Because I ain't going to be no fat cherub wearing a white robe singing in the choir. Come on. There's some strange thinking about heaven. And so some people, because of that strange thinking, they, they love this earth. And he, here's, the, here's the trick, is that the more, the, the better things go for you here, the more you love this place. And the more you start to think that this place is better than heaven. He never wanted us to fall in love with this place. He said to steward it. He said to manage it. But he never said fall in love with it. Look at your neighbor and say this with me this morning. Say, heaven is better. It's better. Don't get attached to this world. Don't get attached to this life. There's something else coming. There's something better coming. Heaven is better. It's better. Number two, the second reason why is heaven is longer than earth. It has no expiration date. Heaven is longer. You're going to spend more time in heaven than you are on earth, heaven is longer than earth. Your time here is going to be brief. Come on, somebody. It's going to be brief. You know, the Bible actually commends people who, who live with heaven in mind. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's known as the hall of faith. And if you ever read it, it talks about a lot of the heroes in the Bible. And in Hebrews 11, watch what it says here in, in, in verse 14 and 16. It says, people who live this way with heaven in mind, make it plain that they are looking for their true home. Come on. That means that the home they had right then was not their true home. There was something inside of them that was longing for their true home. You know, we talked last week that, that God placed eternity in every one of our hearts. Eternity is in your heart. Heaven is in your heart. He's planted it there. And there's a longing inside of you for your true home. The one that the plumbing doesn't break. (laughs) 
The one you don't have a mortgage on. Come on, somebody. That's enough to rejoice right there. They were after a far better country than that, a heaven country. You can see why God's so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. Heaven is better. It's just better. It's going to be incredible. The heroes like Moses and those guys, they got commended for not living for this current life, but for living for their heavenly life. Is this making sense? Yeah. Okay. You ought to see what you look like this morning. You're pretty, but you just got this look on your face. But you know what's funny, though? When people think about heaven, they think we're going to spend eternity in heaven. We're actually not going to spend eternity in heaven. The Bible says that he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Okay? So, so watch this. This is, this is the way I see it. We're going, to, we're going to go and we're going to stand before Jesus, Jesus on the judgment day. We're going to go through the two questions, the two judgments. We'll get rewarded for what we did on this earth. And then I believe right after that, we're going to be sent down to a new earth that is perfect. You know, the Bible says that the lion and the lamb are going to lay next to each other at this new earth. That means that the lion's going to lose his, his, his instinct. He's going to look over at the lamb and say, yo, what's up, bro? How you doing? He's not going to be looking at him as a meal, but as a buddy. Do you realize the new heaven, there's going to be no traffic? No humidity? Come on. No mosquitoes? That was, mosquitoes were a mistake, I'm just telling you. It's going to be no bills. No shootings. <laughs> Nobody breaking into you. Probably won't even have locks on the doors. I mean, thank goodness the streets are made of gold. I mean, come on, somebody. What they going to take out of your house that ain't on the street? And by the way, you're not going to need anything because everything going to be free. Bluebells free, crawfish are free, cold drinks are free. I mean, it's just, I just, just the way I see it. I mean, it's, it's going to be a perfected earth. It's, we're going to spend eternity there. That's why I see a fishing pond. I see a bunch of land, big live oak trees, big, nice house, just chilling in the shade, drinking sweet tea. Come on, somebody. I see that, man. I'm, 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 I'm getting ready. A comfortable rocking chair. Right? Fish are always biting. And no mosquitoes. I said that last weekend and <laughs> Sunday afternoon. I went fishing with my son in the pond. And I'll be dead gone if the mosquitoes didn't come after me. They were mad at me. That just proves that mosquitoes are demonic. They tore my ankles up. I told my son, I said, get to the bank. I got to get out. I was panicking. I mean, they were, they were after me. Demons were mad at me. So heaven is longer than earth. Number three, because there's limited time and incredible opportunity. Why do we need to focus our lives on eternity? Because there's limited time and incredible opportunity. Here's the truth. Every one of us has limited time. Every one of us has limited time. At the best, 80, 85, 90 years while you're on this planet. Watch this. Not everybody has incredible opportunity. If you belong to this church and you're a member of this church, you have incredible opportunity. But what do you mean, Pastor? We're going to plant more churches. We're going to reach this city and the surrounding cities for Jesus. 
I'm believing God that all the lost people are going to get saved. Come on. There's an incredible opportunity in front of us, but there's a limited time. We're all in the same time frame, but there's a limited time, but incredible opportunity. And if we'll take our focus and take it off of this life and put it on eternity and start living that way and being intentional and directing our lives that way, then we're going to see heaven on earth and we're going to see the lost get saved, the lost get found, the dead rise. Come on, somebody. I'm the only one excited about this. There's incredible opportunity. Your, your craziest cousin is going to get saved. Some of you need to dance because that sucker's crazy. There's limited time. Think about what God's used this church and all of our campuses to do so far. Just in the past year, you remember the floods? Do you know there was incredible opportunity for us during the floods? Right here in Eunice, we jumped into a a shelter and we started helping people right off the bat. It didn't even finish raining. We were helping people. We were rebuilding homes. We were tearing out nasty sheetrock and carpet. We, We did all those things. We gave to food banks and to drives and all this kind of stuff. In Jennings, in Jennings, the Red Cross came to the church and said, how can we help you? The mayor and the sheriff and all those people were coming to the church, to the church folks, to Pastor Josh and saying, what can we do to help you? Incredible opportunity. Pastor Zach and those guys, they were, they were floating stuff to people's houses, taking people out on boats. Incredible opportunity to serve the community around us. Pastor Zach was just on the news this past week. How many of you saw him on Channel 3? Brother's famous now. Man, he did a great job, didn't he? They had that, that bad shooting in Crowley this week and... And man, God just swept him up in the middle of that thing. And he, he led a prayer time with the, whole, with the city. And he had every gamut of people there from the, the general public to the mayor. He had everybody there. And he was able to share a message of hope and encouragement. He talked about, we're going to beat this thing with the love of Christ. I mean, it was just incredible. I texted him. It was 10 o'clock. I said, bro, you on the news. I said, man, you did a great job. He said, really? I'm on the news? <laughs> so, yeah, you didn't see the camera in front of you? He's a cameraman. But just incredible opportunities. You know, not everybody has that. Not everybody has an incredible opportunity for, in front of them. But we do. We do. Some of the guys yesterday, they had some guys that don't belong to the church. There, some of those guys had those guys in the corner just sharing the love of Christ with them. Not religiously, not beating them across the head. Just, hey, man, how you doing? Incredible opportunity in front of us, but limited time. Ephesians 5, uh, verse 15 to 16 says this. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Hello, that's right now. The days have never been more evil than they are right now. (laughs) Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. Watch this. But understand what God wants you to do. Here's here's something I'm going to give you this morning. You have a responsibility You do. You have a responsibility to understand what God wants you to do. It's not my responsibility to tell you what God wants you to do. It's your responsibility to understand, to gain understanding of what he wants you to do in the limited time that you're going to be here. Come on. It's our responsibility to understand what he wants us to do. 
God, what do you want me to do? You know, it's simply just going to him and saying, Lord, I give you my life. And my life consists of everything that you've trusted me with. Every single thing. I give it to you. This is, this is how you understand. What do you want me to do with it? Not, Lord, I, got, I want to do this. Not, Lord, I want to do that. Not, Lord, I'm going this way. Would you come with me? No, it's, a, it's Lord, what do you want me to do? I love it every Sunday morning, Tanner. He's not in here. He's hiding out somewhere. There he is. He's never hiding out. Tanner comes and finds me every Sunday morning. And he's, I've never asked him to do this. And he comes and he says, with his soft voice, big soft giant. He says, Pastor, is there anything I can do? I'm like, Tanner, man, I saw some trash in the front on the grass. I'll get that. Will you fix that sign by the road? Oh, I'll get that. Every Sunday morning, like clockwork. You know, we need to be like that. We need to have that attitude. Lord, what do you want me to do today? Lord, what you put me here for? It's our responsibility to get understanding of what he wants us to do. You know that to whom much is given, much is required, right? God's going to trust you with some stuff, but you know what? He's going to require some things from you also. Winston Churchill printed a poster during the war. And the poster read, read like this. It said, self-indulgence at this time is just helping the enemy. Chew on that for a second. Self-indulgence at this time is just going to help the enemy. There was a real battle going on. And he was speaking to the people in England. And he said, if you get, if you get caught up in self-indulgence right now, you're just helping the enemy. Let me say something to you this morning. We're closer to eternity than we've ever been. There are more signs that the end is near now than there has ever been before in history. We are closer to the end. There's a spiritual warfare that's going on that's crazy right now. And self-indulgence at this time is only going to help the enemy. Think about that. Yes, God gave us things to enjoy. He wants us to enjoy some of the things that he's given us. But watch this. It's, it's time to get busy about what he wants us to do. And you've got eternity to enjoy what he's given you. It's shallow thinking that says that I have to enjoy everything right now. Does that make sense? Self-indulgence at this time is but help for the enemy. So number four, how do we, why do we do this is because it's just smart. (laughs) Just smart. Jesus would say it like this in Matthew chapter six. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. In other words, those things are allowed to happen to you. Store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Why? Because they can't. You seeing this? God's word is saying that we need to store up treasures in heaven. It's the greatest investment we can ever make. You want to make a wise investment? Invest in heaven. And then he gives us this little bit of insight. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. I used to get frustrated when Cheryl and I would sit down and do the bills because every check, this is back when we used to write checks, every, it seemed like every check had Walmart on it. How many of you ever experienced that? You're like, dear goodness, I'm supporting Walmart. Can we buy something somewhere else so I feel a little bit better? Why does it have to be? I felt like I was investing in Walmart. 
and getting no return. Right? Where your treasure is, Jesus is saying, there your heart will be or the desires of your heart will be. So if you ever want to know where your heart is, look at your treasures. It'll tell you where your heart is. Because people give and people serve and people live where their heart is. Right? Amen? So how do we do this? I'm going to wrap it up with this. How do we do this? Good question. Luke chapter 12 says it like this. Verse 16. Oh, sorry. It's on my phone. Luke 12, 16. And he told them this parable. Jesus told the story. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store, watch this, my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, in other words, he's going to talk to himself, self, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So this farmer has a great harvest, and he says, you know what, I'm going to build bigger barns for my stuff because my grain, I'm going to put my stuff, my grain in a bigger barn, and then I'm going to sit back and take it easy and enjoy life. You see, he was delusional because he thought because he had more stuff that he had more time. (laughs) More stuff doesn't give you more time. Actually, more stuff takes more of your time. Come on, somebody. But he was delusional. He thought that because he had more stuff, he had more time. Watch God's response to this. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? (laughs) This is how it will be to whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, let me help you understand something. The Bible is very clear that we need to be stewards of what he's given us. We need to manage the income we have. We need to manage the things that we have. We need to leave an inheritance for our children's children. The Bible's very clear about that. Don't get it confused. It doesn't mean that you can't store up anything. But when you start thinking that what you've stored up is yours, you earned it, you possessed it, you went out and got it, you're going to get yourself in trouble. But he said, instead of focusing so much on laying up an inheritance for your children and laying up things for yourself, you need to be rich in God. You need to be rich toward God. You need to be rich towards eternity is what he's saying. Is it making sense? So how do we do this? By giving ourselves to him. Number one, give myself to God. You know, God doesn't just want your talent. He doesn't just want your abilities. He doesn't just want your treasure. God wants all of you. Look at me. He wants all of you because he knows that if I can get all of you, then I'll get everything that comes with it. I'll get the whole package. It was John Bonnell who said this. He said, he said, if, if one first gives himself to the Lord, all other, all all other giving is easy. (laughs) If you'll just first give yourself to God, all other giving is easy. Some of you are like, Lord, I'll give you my kids. <laughs> you can keep them. 
but you can't have me. <laughs> How do we do this? Number two, act like a steward and not an owner. You know, he's called us to be a manager. He's the owner. God owns it all. <laughs> Some of you, that, that kind of pricks your pride a little bit because you're like, God don't own all my stuff. God didn't get that to me. Come on, I'm going to step on some toes real quick. You know, Psalms 24, 1 says this, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in the world and all who live in it. Everything is the Lord's. <laughs> some of you are going to be, yeah, but I'm the one that worked hard for it. Oh, did you? Let me bust you a bubble this morning. Deuteronomy 8, 18 says this, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Mm, get you some of that. You're not that smart. You're not that strong. You're not that talented. Yeah, you showed up. You was on the job. Your back's hurting. But watch this. He's the one that gave you the ability to do it. He's the one that put breath in your lungs. He's the one that gave you favor. It wasn't your good looks that got you to the top. Go ahead and elbow somebody that thinks their good looks got them to the top. <laughs> it was him who did it. You was on the job site, but he's the one that gave you the ability. Number three, view everything through the lens of eternity. View everything, everything, every person, every situation through the lens of eternity. Hebrews 11 says he chose, talking about Moses, he chose the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead, watch this, to his great reward. You see, the treasures and the rewards that are here on this earth aren't squat compared to the treasures that we're going to get in heaven. Those are real treasures. Come on, somebody. This stuff that we're fighting over and getting all upset about, it ain't nothing. The stuff in heaven is something that we need to be focusing on. I'm preaching better than you're responding. I don't care what you say. We need to view everything through the lens of eternity. And then number four, be intentional. Just be intentional. Don't be flighty. Don't be lofty. Don't be going whichever way the wind blows. Be intentional with what you have. Be intentional with your life. Look at me. Be intentional with your children. Listen, the world has intentions for your children. You better get intentional about your kids. The world has a plan for your life. You better have a plan for your life. Amen? Be intentional. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 from the message translation says this. Before I say that, I want to say this. That you know what? When it comes to giving and it comes to any kind of offerings, and we're, we're, we're wrapping up the REACH campaign that's been going on for three years. And, and by the way, we've, we've raised with 200, approximately 240 families. We've raised just under $500,000 that, that you've given over the last three years. I mean, praise God for that. Isn't that awesome? That's just good stuff. And so, but we've, we've never come to you when it was time to give and try to put you in a headlock and try to feed you a sad story. We've always said this to you. We've always said we want you to do three things. We want you to pray. We want you to plan. And then we want you to give. Right? Has Pastor Jamie ever put anybody in a headlock here? If I did, please don't raise your hand. It would be embarrassing to me. <laughs> but watch this. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over. 
and make up your mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. (laughs) Don't you love the scriptures? (laughs) Sob stories and arm twisting. Watch this. This is the key verse. It says this. God loves it when the giver delights in giving. You know, God doesn't want you to be sad about giving your life. He doesn't want you to be upset. He doesn't want you to struggle with it. He says, take your time. Make a plan. Give your life. Because he wants you to delight in giving. Giving. 